the eye-popping inflation rate uh, last month. 4.1% for the month of August. That is the highest since 2003. And while insiders are pointing to things like the pandemic and problems with the supply chain, what role, if any, has government played in our rising cost of living? Let's welcome in Franco Terrazano with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, who joins us now here on Global News Radio. Franco, good afternoon. Thanks for your time. Hey, good afternoon, and thanks so much for having me on. All right, let's talk about the government's role in this, because it's just not our imagination. We've now got proof. Yes, indeed, it's uh, more costly, more expensive uh, these days. Uh, what role has government uh, played in this, according to the Taxpayers Federation? Well, it plays a huge role. But uh, first, we just have to remember, uh, yeah, 4% increase year over year in prices. So that's that's telling Canadians really what we've already known, and that is the cost of living seems to be going up every day. But even that eye-popping statistic, right, that 4% price increase over a year really downplays what's been going on. Because if you look back to 2002, so less than two decades ago, the prices have actually increased by more than 40%. So while um, there's many different things that could go into raising prices like supply chain disruption, we have to understand that this constant march of higher prices year after year uh, really boils down to what government is doing through its central bank and the inflation tax. And of course, I'm talking about money printing. Okay, because I think a lot of people listening right now are probably saying to themselves, Franco, I mean, does government really have that much influence or that big of a role when it comes to prices and inflation? Because we live in a free market economy and isn't price, if we go back to Economics 101, isn't it dictated where uh, supply uh, meets demand? Well, uh, here's here's the thing that underscores all of that, though, and it depends on the supply of money. Right. And just simply, the more dollars that the government prints, the less your dollars buy. So there's two aspects that we have to be thinking here. First is that outside of the free market, the government influences prices through its taxes. Uh, Even during the pandemic, 36 percent of a family's budget went to paying taxes. And that's actually more than what a family, an average family in Canada spent on food, housing and clothing combined. But even beyond just taxes, there, there's an even more indirect type of tax that the government plays, of course, outside of the free market. And that is the printing press, right? And it's the Bank of Canada, the central bank, whenever it buys financial assets, it does that by purchasing it with money that it creates out of thin air. So essentially what you have is you have more dollars chasing um, the goods that are available, which means that all of the dollars that we have in our bank accounts, in our savings, purchase less. And through the pandemic, the Bank of Canada has created about $370 billion in new money. So that's a 300% increase during the pandemic, uh, which is significantly higher than the growth in assets that we saw in the recession of the 80s and the recession of the 90s and in 2008, 2009. So with all of that money printing, it's really no surprise that we're seeing consumer prices go up the way they are. Okay, so what should the government have done or what do they need to do to curb inflation? Because uh, this can't just uh, continue on and on, particularly when we know that uh, Canadian workers, their uh, salaries and raises are not uh, matching the rate of inflation for the most part. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the crucial question right there. And there's two things, right? The first is taxes. 
Um, the first way to just make all aspects of life more affordable is to just make sure that we have a little bit more money in our pockets. Now, one aspect in particular where we're seeing uh, huge prices is in gasoline. Well, in Ontario, about 38% of the price at the pump just comes through all different types of taxes. And both with the Liberal Party's carbon tax, but also the Conservative Party's own carbon tax, that tax bill at the pump will only go up under what they're promising. Uh, But the second thing is that they have to rein in their deficit spending um, because one of the assets that the Bank of Canada buys is government bonds. And, you know, the the recent budget that was announced in April uh, forecasted a deficit of about $155 billion or about $3 billion in deficits every single week. Well, only a few days after that budget was announced. Uh, we hear the Bank of Canada was going to purchase about $3 billion worth of Government of Canada bonds, right? So that, to me, sounds like you have the Bank of Canada uh, <laughs> essentially monetizing Ottawa's deficit, which is the inflation tax. All right, I want to drill down on taxes with you for a second, since you are with the Canadian Taxpayers uh, Federation. And that was just staggering, what you mentioned a second ago, Franco, that uh, 36% uh, that we pay in uh, taxes, and that's more than uh, the average Canadian family pays for food, housing, and clothing uh, combined. And I think the you know train of thought here is that we're going to see nothing but more taxes and new taxes because of all of this defi- deficit spending during the uh, pandemic. So... I mean, how are Canadian families, uh, how are they uh, going to cope with what looks like uh, raising taxes? I mean, can governments really even uh, afford to get rid of taxes? Well, government surely can reduce taxes, absolutely. I mean, all you need to do is you, you just, we need the political spine for them to actually make that happen and, and to actually rein in spending. Um, so two things. One is that you're correct. If, if they do not reduce spending, uh, really, Canadian taxpayers are going to get clobbered. Right. We already talked about 36 percent of the family budget going to taxes during a pandemic. Uh, but that doesn't even consider all of the money that we would have to pay for the government's debt. Right. The federal government right now is more than a trillion dollars in debt, which means each Canadian is on the hook for thirty thousand dollars in federal government debt alone. And if these politicians don't rein in spending, that's going to have to come from taxpayers one way or another, which brings us to our second point, And that's really the spending. And we have to remember all of this COVID-19 spending within the context of how much the federal government was spending before COVID-19. So in 2018, the Trudeau government's per-person spending uh, was all-time high in Canada's modern history. So that means that in 2018, before the pandemic, the Trudeau government was spending uh, more than it did in any single year during World War II, which is just an absolutely mind-boggling level of spending. And that should show us that yeah, these politicians should be able to find some savings here. Okay, well, I kind of feel you're describing a bit of a catch-22. I mean, the problem is the escalating uh, debt, but the problem also is that uh, taxes are uh, far too uh, high, and so you can't pay down the debt without uh, taxes and taxation. So, I mean, where does that leave us? I mean, you mentioned uh, spending uh, as well, but uh, if we cut spending, do uh, Canadians uh, here in the future in the uh, you know, not too distant and distant future, are we going to just have to get used to paying more and getting less? <laughs> well, there's, there's two things that uh, all politicians have to do. The first one, which politicians are trying to sell Canadians on right now, is, is growing the economy. Um, even just putting taxes aside on that, one way that they can help grow the economy is reduce the regulations, reduce all the interprovincial trade barriers, um, reduce the regulations barring resource development here in Canada. Uh, but let's, re- let's talk about the spending real quick. Uh, there's a lot of areas of the budget 
which we should be calling fat. Um, for example, members of parliament, they've pocketed not one but two pay raises during COVID-19. So our representatives in Ottawa received two pay raises while millions of us struggled through COVID-19. Surely they could reduce those, uh, reverse those pay raises, and I don't think too many Canadians would be upset. The next one is the bureaucracy. We have to remember that the bureaucracy eats up a huge chunk of the federal government's budget, and more than 300,000 federal government employees received a pay raise during this pandemic. But there's also other things that we that we need to address uh, the corporate welfare. And I'm not talking about the um, the subsidies to help gyms and restaurants keep their lights on during government lockdowns. I'm talking about like the hundreds of millions of dollars that went to the Ford Motor Company or the hundreds of millions of dollars that was announced for Algoma Steel just before the election was called. Now, the way these federal politicians budget, they would probably bankrupt a lemonade stand. Um, so we definitely don't need them running around trying to play investment banker with our tax dollars. Okay, can I stop you there and ask you, though, because you hear this from government all the time, that that's an investment. It's not corporate welfare, but uh, they need to, uh, you know, invest in these businesses to attract them, and uh, we get uh, paid back, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever, fivefold, uh, tenfold with uh, the jobs uh, and the money that will be spent by those jobs in the economy and the taxes that those workers will eventually pay. Well, I mean, of course, they're going to play that type of spin on it. But essentially what that is saying is we know how to spend your money better than you do because they're not creating this new wealth that they're giving to businesses. I mean, all of the dollars that they give to a business, any one dollar that they give to one of those businesses must come from taxpayers. So essentially what they're doing is they're not creating new wealth. What they're doing is taking it from other places in the economy. So it's essentially a shell game. Um, but, but look, you hear this from all politicians, from all different stripes, even at all different levels of government. Uh, one place that we need to look to, just look to the Alberta government right now, where it's struggling to deal with the sturgeon refinery boondoggle. And, and it just seems like it keeps on pumping more and more tax dollars into that thing. Um, but essentially, that is the rule, not the exception, where these types of corporate welfare investments really never work out for taxpayers the way the politicians like to sell us on it. All right, just finally want to ask you in our last minute here, whoever wins power next week, whoever uh, gets into office and forms the next uh, government, we've had record spending, we've had uh, deficits. Are, are new taxes, are they inevitable, and do we know where they might come from? Have you at the Canadian Taxpayers Federation heard anything? Well, it, so what I would say is that new taxes are not inevitable, uh, but for us to avoid massive tax hikes, we need these politicians to reduce spending. Um, now, the Liberals and the NDP, their mentality is a stoke-the-rich type of mentality. They want Canadians to think that it's only going to be the wealthy or big businesses who end up paying the, these types of taxes. But the truth of the matter is, is that their tax hikes still wouldn't even balance the budget. So if politicians don't actually find a way to reduce spending, at the end of the day, they're going to start coming and looking at everyday Canadians to pay that bill. All right, Franco, got to leave it there for now. Appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on. You bet. Franco Terrazano is with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation here on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. 
<laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.